Hey, welcome to Political Football with DeLorean Dave, Maddie Ice, and Cleve. How are you guys doing today? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. That's good. 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 It's, uh, it's been a quick turnaround with a lot of stuff in the media. So right now we have a, an official presidential elect. So it's kind of weird that we're still talking about this, but this is where we're at. Well, Other than that, I'm good. Well, hopefully we never have to go through this uh, go through this ever again with the president just completely whining about losing an election. However, I will say I think Biden has won this election like 106 times now. So that's actually kind of <laughs> nuts. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. All right, so um, we got a lot of action um, this week. Obviously, there's some things going on in the news. We're going to get right to the football. Um, what we got going on? Okay, so the first game, we have to go back to last Thursday, which feels like a long time ago now. And we had Matt's Patriots 3 at the Los Angeles Rams 24. And before I turn it over to Matt, I just want to make one uh, observation on this game. And that's that Cam Akers uh, has totally taken over the backfield for the Rams, which can be very important come playoff time because he's more of an unknown. 29 carries for 171 yards. This guy who started the season, Daryl Henderson, two carries for five yards. So Cam Akers is definitely, they're going to put him in that girly role and see what happens. But uh, Matt, what do you have to say for your squad? They have no talent. They can't win on the road. And the Rams are better. So that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, the, the equity that these guys got, and I know I've, I've taken my liberties at them. It's an off year for them, and obviously their streak ends, you know, with the division run that they had. They had an incredible, impeccable run. So obviously they gotta they gotta get some talent in there. Um, they gotta get some receivers. They gotta you know take care of the dust balls, as, as you guys <laughs> like to say, to get to, to get a team put together because it's not gonna work with what they got. It's worked in the past, next man up. But obviously the league is evolving, so it's time for BB and Kraft to say, hey, let's spend some money and get out there. Yeah, I mean this uh, the Patriots. You know, this is, it's just weird because it's happening to the Patriots. This happens all the time. Like every single team that's usually good has a bad season every, every now and then, uh, usually because a quarterback gets injured in this case, Brady just left a couple bad drafts can do that. So it is weird to see it happening to the Patriots, but what's happening to them is not that strange. And I would not be shocked if in a year or two, they're back. Exactly. The, um, the next game we have here, moving to Sunday, we have the Titans 31, the Jaguars 10. And this went exactly how you thought. The Jaguars were huge underdogs. They got crushed. Just in this game, we had Derrick Henry, 26 carries, 215 yards and two touchdowns. So Tennessee right. got to do what they want to do with him. And then Mike Glennon got benched. Gardner Minshew is back and has been named the starter for this week coming up. Was it his hand? What was wrong with Gardner? Did he, like, his throwing hand got messed up? His thumb or something? I think what was wrong with Gardner Minshew is that he sucks. And so they were trying to find a better quarterback. And they, they tried Mike Glennon, which obviously did not go well. The truth is that this just isn't going to go well for any of them because they're all bad. And this is actually leading to a fantasy point for next season I want to make for the for the listeners. DJ Chark, the wide receiver for Jacksonville, is top five in the league in air yards. That means the distance the ball has traveled before it gets to him if he's not on pass routes, right? So further down the field. So it's him and then it's like DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, and Steph Diggs. So it's all these great high-producing receivers and then Chark, who sucks because his quarterback sucks. So next year, Chark's going to fall down draft boards in fantasy. Everybody should go out and get them. They're going to have a new rookie quarterback. If you end up with a Joe Burrow or a Justin Herbert, this guy's going to be a top-ten wide receiver. Uh, the next game, we have the Vikings 14 at the Buccaneers 26. The Bucks, the fraudulent run begins. I mean, I said they weren't going to lose again after they came out of the bye, and they're going to finish 11-5. So they win this game against the Vikings. The next three games that the Bucks have are Atlanta, Detroit, and Atlanta again. 
three wins. Right. They're gonna they're gonna win out for the season and just be way be way overrated. And uh, Matt, do you have a oh my god, this guy's still in the league for Cleve from this game? Uh, I actually don't. Okay, I didn't want to steal your thunder in case you did. Hey, Cleve, uh, this running back went for four, had four carries for 32 yards and one catch for three yards. LaShawn McCoy. Wow. He So the last time we saw him, was he with, was he with the Chiefs? Yes, and last then, year. Wow, okay. So I didn't think he was still in the league. Wow, okay. Yep, Leonard, Leonard Fournette, healthy scratch to make room for LaShawn McCoy. Definitely the sign of a healthy offense. Wow, this guy's hanging around for a long time. Yep. The next game we have here, we have the Chiefs 33 at the Dolphins 27. Uh, I'm going to turn this one over to Matt, but I do want to make a quick note on Tua's numbers for Cleve. Tua was 28 of 48, 360 yards, two touchdowns and a pick, six carries, 24 yards and a touchdown. So a valiant effort here on the loss. Yeah, I, I'm just worried about the 20 for 48. 28 for 48. 20. Oh, 28 for 48 yes. still. I mean, it's it, that's a, you know, he had to throw almost 50 times and 28 receptions. Is that a, is that an indictment on the receivers or is that he's not on target or what? What what does what that translate to? I'm, I'm asking my two professionals when it comes to those type of uh, stats. What well, the, lead, the leading receiver for the Dolphins in this game was Lynn Bowden Jr., a rookie running back out of uh, Kentucky. So that might that might have something to do with it. But Matt, what do you think? Most of that's due to the fact that they were down big and they had to take big shots. Yeah, I mean, in a game in which you're down three scores going into the fourth quarter and you're asking mm-hmm. a young guy to throw the ball a lot, I mean, I think mostly anybody who's throwing the ball almost 50 times, you're probably not going to get a 70-plus completion percentage like every time, especially because mm-hmm. most of the time you're doing that because you're behind, so you're pressing, you know, you're trying to get something okay. in. And I would say, Cleve, it's like when you're uh, when you're down in a boxing match and you're mm-hmm. you kind of got to go for broke because you know yeah. in your head you're down enough rounds that you can't just uh you know let the judges do it so it's kind of something like that my thoughts for this game were the stat lines are are really stupid Mahomes has three picks and if you just told somebody that stat they would think wow the Chiefs had a really off day but when he threw his third interception they were up by three scores and then immediately after that third turnover they got more points via safety so they were up 20 points and Mahomes had you know thrown three picks but his completion percentage was over 70 percent he only had 10 incompletions three of those were picks and this game while it was a six point game it was never really that close the reason I wanted to point this game out was because the Chiefs are doing things that no other team in the league can really do I don't think there's any other team that can turn the ball over three times and especially as egregiously as it happened I mean it happened twice in the first quarter and and still really be that far ahead by the time the fourth quarter starts I mean they only get I think the Dolphins only scored three points off those turnovers which Mm. if you want to become a great team you've got to start turning those opportunities into uh, into more points especially against a team like the Chiefs who don't generally give you that much in terms of mistakes to to really capitalize on I don't think it was indicative that the Dolphins aren't a good team I just don't think that they're I mean nobody's really the Chiefs right now given the fact that um, they just are doing things that other teams can't really do at this point and it's just it's not even really fair competition so Dolphins coming back and making it a six-point game was good but that's all that I had let me ask you a question guys so I so obviously he threw three picks and if I watch the highlight correctly two of those were like deflection picks and then one was the guy just you know made a great break on the ball uh without taking away that one the other two how much did how much of that do we put on a quarterback sometimes that it hits the guy in the fucking hands or the shoulder pads or whatever it bounces up and obviously it's a deflection pick like what do you guys think of that like you think those picks were like reckless or you think he was just trying to force the ball in there when there probably wasn't a window so i think it? that there's probably a lot of situations you know, a lot of variables that come into play 
The main thing I look for, though, is was the throw a good idea in the first place? If he's thrown to mm-hmm. a guy that's tightly covered and he gets deflected and goes to like a safety or whatever, well, maybe you should have thrown that ball. Mm-hmm. Did you, or did the quarterback throw the ball uh, much harder than they had to? Yeah, put some, like he put more touch on it. Than right, he did, like, so. and Mahomes is pretty good at, you know, at you know, gauging that. Uh, Stafford is now, but he didn't used to be. Stafford used to throw 100 miles an hour no matter what. And you get all these deflection picks and it's like, well, take a little bit off of it. So if the throw was a good idea and it was the proper speed, and then at that case, I sort of blame blame the receivers. Do you think that, um, and this is for both of you guys, do you think that Mahomes goes through his reads or he knows guys are flying? So I'm just going to pick one of these guys that as soon as I get an eye on him, that ball's going to him. Like, do you think that like, he's going through his reads quick enough or you think he's just saying, hey, this guy's so open or you should be open in about four seconds. I'm gonna, This ball's coming. Go ahead, Matt. I mean, I would say he probably is, but I think at this point he has earned the freedom to ad-lib at times. I mean, the two throws that I saw, one of them, was the guy wasn't particularly covered, like blanket covered. And the throw was like, you know, high and hot, but it hit off the tips of his fingers and he had to jump in the air a little bit. So, I mean, that's probably more just, you know, an errant throw in a way, but it's not like it was an egregious throw the way that we see some of these guys throw picks. I mean, it wasn't as if he threw it so, so, so poorly that we would never, you know what I mean? Like, we just don't see that. I mean, the margin of error when it comes to Mahomes throwing a pick versus not sometimes is so minimal that it's hard to see those things. But yeah, I just, in this game, that's kind of what I thought i didn't see that but i don't necessarily think that he wouldn't you know be going through his reads because i think that's kind of what makes the offense successful knowing exactly where people are supposed to be and kind of going through that but i'm sure because of everything he's accomplished andy reed probably feels a lot safer letting him ad-lib at certain times because of um you know his talent level Mm-hmm. The reason I say that, and we can move on from this. The reason I say that is because looking at, and with, I know we're gonna talk about the like the Steelers and and, and a few or whatever. Like just how if if you can is it is the defender that good to break on the ball, or is it because the quarterback plays so scant? It's like okay, well he's he's probably gonna look this way, and I'm gonna look him off and get there. So that's why I was, you know, I was, because I'm looking at Mahomes and the rest of the field and I'm like, wow, you know, some of these guys, like he's doing everything. And I think Matt said this and then Dave said this early in the season, like he's doing things that you would never tell a quarterback to do. And obviously just throwing it up there like that, just kind of get an idea of, of, of what, what you guys see as like a detriment, like would this work in a Super Bowl? You know, would this work in a playoff title game where it's like, okay, you're going to take the handcuffs off for this or I need you to. I need you to like follow. I mean, the it's game. either let Mahomes do what he does, or hand it to Le'Veon Bell. So at this point, <laughs> yeah. we'll just let uh, let Mahomes do his thing. Gotcha. The next game we have here, we have the Broncos thirty-two at the Panthers twenty-seven. This game was actually a ton of fun to watch, but it's not meaningful very much as far as like standings and whatever go. Drew Locke in this game, though, Cleve, twenty-one of twenty-seven, two hundred eighty yards, four touchdowns, no picks. See, that's a stat line versus the Tua stat line that, that I'm I'm looking at. Okay, he's been proficient. He's just following what he's supposed to do. Maybe he's on script. Drew yeah. Locke, well, huh? One, Drew one of them Locke. was playing the Panthers. And the other was playing the Chiefs. That might have a little a little to do with the, with the stat line. But so you, have to, you have to be able to beat the bad teams first. So good for him there. Uh, the other note I have on this game is that K.J. Hamler, two catches, 86 yards, two touchdowns for the rookie out of Penn State. K.J. Hamler missed the combine with an injury, and then his pro day was canceled due to COVID, so he never got to work out for anybody. Yeah, this kid is absolutely, absolutely uh, uh, fantastic. He can ball for real, so he's going to be a great slot receiver in the NFL. So they actually have a lot to work with there in Denver. 
and also Cleve, Drew Locke, before this game, 15 of 28, 18 of 30, 23 of 47, 25 of 48. Jesus. <laughs> okay. Yeah. See, so that's exactly my point. This is why we call it a sample size in statistics. <laughs> yeah. Cleve exactly watched this point. game and wants to put Drew Locke in the Hall of Fame. Take our way out. We got a new one. Exactly. Um, the next game we have here, we have the Texans 7 at the Bears 36. Again, a game that doesn't have much implication on the on the playoffs. I suppose the Bears are technically still alive, but like no. Khalid, can you name the leading rusher for the Houston Texans in this game? It, well, it's not it's not a uh, it's not Johnson, right? It's, it's neither it's Johnson. Johnson. It's um, not David nor Duke. Okay, who the it hell is, is Greg it? Howell Jr. I have no Me idea. Either eleven is. carries wow. for forty two yards. The leading receiver once again was uh, to catcher predator Chad Hansen. Seven seven catches for fifty six yards. So my point in bringing this up is just that Deshaun Watson should not play again this year. Yeah, that's what I, I was just going to say that, Dave. I was just going to say, what do you guys think of shutting him down? They're meaningless games, and you, the more you trot him out there, the propensity of him taking a bad hit or whatever, like there's nothing else on the line. So shut yeah. him down. What yeah, I mean, think I think it's a great idea. Matt? Also, AJ McCarron doesn't get a lot of playing time because Deshaun Watson, you know, is healthy a lot. So you want to actually see if AJ McCarron is a good backup quarterback for you or not. So just give him three games to really go out there and know what's his. He gets the first team reps and see see what he can do. That's another guy I, I'm surprised still in the league. AJ McCarron, holy shit! And somewhere Brent Musburger is salivating over his girlfriend. Oh. Oh, oh, he took liberty against Musburger. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who said it on national television. Yeah, he, wow. he was being a little. He was trying to be like kind older man, but he just came off as like creepy guy outside the Triple Theater. It was not. <laughs> I got. I got to look that up. I'm also Holy pretty shit. sure that Brent is living his best life in Vegas and kind of doing his Al Davis impression, if I remember correctly. The last time I saw him, he looked exactly like Al Davis and he was snorting coke, I feel like. It's something like that. <laughs> he's living his best life in retirement. Yeah, uh, he's, he's actually the radio voice of nice. the Las Vegas uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So, yeah, and you know the Raiders don't care if he's out there betting the games and then calling them like ESPN does. So he is living his best life. <laughs> Yep, you are looking. Oh, you are looking live at a lawsuit. <laughs> My favorite thing about Brett Musburger back in the day, like before they would talk about sports betting during the games, is that you could always tell which side he had action on based on how he was calling the game. He was first to be like that. Like, oh come on, you can't miss that kick. It's like, oh, Brent got me over. <laughs> All the no calls. Yeah, yeah, it was it was wonderful. He was he was oh, way ahead great. of the game. He was born like twenty years too early. The next oh, game we have here of the Cardinals twenty six in the uh, the Giants seven. So the Cardinals had a fourth and four at the Giants thirty six yard line. Kingsbury punts for a touchback, so they gain sixteen yards of total field position. This is an egregious play, and I don't care that they won this game. Cliff Kingsbury will be fired by the end of next season. I'm calling it right now. Get the DeLorean. What? At the end of next season, Cliff Kingsbury will not be the head coach of the Cardinals. So is it that he didn't trust them to get the At fucking At this point, it's that yards? he's a moron. I don't... Like, we have too many of these examples of, of him just making these terrible field goal decisions, punting decisions, and he's way too outclassed in that division, as we discussed last week that they're going to underachieve versus their talent again next year as well. Because he's got Lee McBay twice, Shanahan so twice, Pete Carroll twice, mm -hmm. and they're going to be sick of it. End of next season, he's out. So the down and distance was on the opposing yeah, 36? Yeah, like the Giants 36-yard line, fourth and four. And he punted. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. That's cr I, I don't even see why. So what, what time was, was like that? the first like, or second quarter. Fourth quarter. Okay, so that, that ended up being a... Um, 
probably, you know, the score, you know, telling No, I mean, they, they, well, they, well, they, well, they ended up not mattering game. for the game, but, yeah, but yeah, as you take the these game. events in aggregate all the time, you know, each one of these events hurts their chances to win, which is why they're not winning a lot. They're going to, like I said, they're going to underachieve this year, but then they're going to underachieve again next year, and the Cardinals will move on. What was the point of putting putting um, Danny Dobbs on the field if he still has a hamstring problem? I, I have understand. I have no idea, Matt. Do you have any idea why the why the Giants decided to uh, play Danny Dimes? Yeah, probably because he's Gettleman's guy, and they feel like oh, he gives him a better yeah, chance that. to win. From a game management perspective, it really didn't make a lot of sense given that he seems pretty injured, you know, his hamstring. And McCoy was serviceable enough that you won a game with him. And considering that the ceiling on the division at this point is nine games now, I, I don't think that there was really that much to gain by putting him out there. And it showed. He had a QBR of nine. <laughs> nine and they were lifeless i mean and to dave's point punting in that situation yes it's the first or second quarter there's a lot of game to go we knew pretty early that that offense wasn't going to do a whole lot just based off of how they looked very very early on and when golden tate is your lead receiver at 39 yards on his two targets you're probably not going to have much of a game and and kingsbury should know that his talent far outweighs the talent on the other side of the field that's one of the things I don't think he really understands is he really doesn't get what he's working with. Like any other young coach who gets handed what he's been handed, at least offensively, should have a lot more confidence in the guys that are going out there. And maybe Kyler is hurt, right? Fine. But you should know whether your team is better than the other team. And it's one of the reasons why Nick Saban coaches probably the way he does, because he knows his team is probably better than every other team that he faces, right? You should coach to what you know you have. And I don't think Kingsbury realizes what he has. I think that's a great point. And I think that another coach that actually does that, Matt, is John Gruden. He just doesn't always have the best team, as we're going to find out yeah. later. But I think that that's exactly right. And I think that when you are better than the other team, you absolutely have to have to do that. I remember, Dave, I heard that. that the year that they put Tua in, in the national title game, and there was a whole bunch of stuff about you know Saban, all this other stuff. And it's like, Saban knew what he had when he put him in there. That wasn't just some random thing that I think he decided to do because he knows. And I heard an interview with uh, Lane Kiffin afterward who said, like, we knew we were better than every single team. And we could tell in practice that we were better than them. So Shit. when you have when you have that kind of confidence and knowledge in what you have behind you, you should coach to that strength. And I think you're right, Dave. I think Gruden does that. I think he's good at evaluating what he has versus what the other team has. But to your point, too, what he has right now isn't necessarily world-beating talent so he's probably maximizing for the most part what he can get out of exactly and so that's going to take us here into the next game which is the colts 44 at the raiders 27 again the raiders are just complete frauds i said they were one of these six and three teams and there was a whole bunch of them i immediately called out the raiders as being fraudulent their last three games they got destroyed by atlanta they needed that miracle performed by saint greg williams to beat the jets and then they get crushed here by the colts they're they are not good um they're they are complete frauds in this game jonathan taylor the rookie running back out of wisconsin he's finally starting to come to life 20 carries 150 yards and two touchdowns you know i don't want to see any more carries for dust bowl jordan wilkins naheem hines is fine he's got a role to play Jordan Wilkins should never touch the ball again. And uh, somebody unplugged and plugged back in T.Y. Hilton. Five catches, 86 yards, two touchdowns. So is the referendum on Derek Carr being the answer there? Or is it the team needs so many needs that they, they got to just... I mean, you know my take. I think thing. Derek Carr is good Nick Foles, so... Yeah, and this goes back to Dave's point about Gruden knowing what he has, but not having enough. And to be fair, this team should be 6-7, and seven, right? They should have lost. 
to the Jets last week. And they're, the fact that they're 7-6 and six and still technically in the hunt is a minor miracle. But Jacobs, I believe last year he had a fantastic year, and he's had some, some really good games. They just don't seem to be able to get anything going right now. But if the Colts' recipe for success is going to be a defense that plays well, 150 yards from Jonathan Taylor, and Phillip Rivers only has to throw the ball 28 times and doesn't get sacked, they're going to be a tough out in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I completely I completely agree with that. I just think that the Colts can get, I think they can get moved off of what they want to do rather easily. And like they have to control the game from the start. I think if they end up down 10 nothing at the end of the first quarter, that there's a chance that they end up looking like the Raiders for the rest of the game in the playoffs. But if they're able to get control of the game, I think that they, yeah, I agree with you. I think they'll be a very, very tough team to beat. You guys know how I feel about Phillip Rivers. So when the playoffs show up, Phillip Rivers is going to show up. So you guys Cleve, know Cleve is in his DeLorean that. or his Model T as it were. <laughs> <laughs> going to the future, we got we got bad Philip Rivers. So we'll we'll see about that. We will see if if bad Philip Rivers shows up in the playoffs. I actually agree with you, Cleve. I think that they're going to have a tough matchup, and that that's likely to happen. But I think that Matt's exactly right. That if the Colts can establish the, what they want to do early in the game, that Philip Rivers actually be okay. Long long term question for the Raiders: Does Henry Ruggs have a better year with a better quarterback, or was he? I mean, he. We think we all know he was overdrafted compared to his contemporaries at Alabama, like wide receivers, but. It does seem like they are missing an opportunity where he's got three catches. And this seems to happen almost every week outside of last week's Hail Mary or Miracle there. Wherever they decide to go at quarterback, because I don't, they're, they're obviously not going to have a high enough draft pick to pick something decent in the first round. They might, but they might trade up or whatever. But both of you, do you think it's a better move for them to go for somebody that's already out there and established until uh, they feel like they can draft somebody that, that's good enough? Or do they, you think they go the draft route and if they pick the right person, does Henry Rugg ceiling? So I wanted to speak to the Henry Ruggs side of it first. I want to speak to the quarterback part because Henry Ruggs last year at Alabama was the fourth best wide receiver on Alabama and like the eighth best wide receiver in the nation. That's how deep Alabama was. But because of that, he never got fed the ball a ton, right? Because they had Jerry Judy. They had a feed. And then they had Devontae Smith, who's getting fed this year, and Jalen Waddell and Henry Ruggs. So I thought he was overdrafted because you never really saw him with a full workload. I think the real issue with Henry Ruggs is the coach. I don't think John Gruden knows what to do with a player like Henry Ruggs. I think if Henry Ruggs were on Arizona, that Cliff Kingsbury would have a better idea of what to do. I think if he were on the Packers, Aaron Rodgers would have a better idea of what to do. So I think that's what's up with uh, with Henry Ruggs right there. Cleve, what do you think about the Raiders quarterback going forward? Well, obviously, I mean, we, we, we heard the rumblings when Gruden took the job that Derek Carr wasn't his guy. And I think Mark Davis probably, you know, and Derek Carr probably snuggled up a little bit. And, you know, that's where he has his line to the front office. But we know Gruden is a like a and I mean, it's in the no disrespectful way. He's like a parasite. Shows up to um, Tampa Bay. Great defense there. They had uh, who, who's their Brad. quarterback? Brad Johnson. Yes. Yeah. So I was quarterback play wasn't his forte. Like he didn't give a shit because the defense was so dominating. So I think that you know he's gonna get um, another quarterback in because he's gonna show you know tell Mark Davis in the front office like listen. You know, we can keep Derek Carr around, but we might, you know, we need to probably draft younger or get someone else in here or whatever. Because again, you guys just spoke to the talent that's on the field and what it could be, but this quarterback's not not doing it. He's Derek Carr is like in the top what fifteen? Would you guys even say that? Uh, I mean, I think he's decidedly average. You put him like right around sixteen, so you know, probably somewhere right right around there. Yeah. 
Okay, so yeah, so that's my answer right there. What, what you guys were saying, echoing on, piggybacking on what you guys were saying about that they may need to just you know draft and see what see what else is out there and, and, and go because Derek Carr's been with this team what seven years? Yeah, it's been it's been a minute. No, yeah, and they haven't really peaked. They haven't done anything. It's been long enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah, and, and and that's my point. They've seen they've seen enough, and Gruden probably like this is why, and he he's pulling his Jeff Fisher like, hey, golf is not my guy. I'm going to make him third stringer or whatever, and then, you know, whatever. But getting another quarterback in there, and I don't know what other needs that team needs. So, Cleve, do you remember, just quickly before we move on to the next game, do you remember when the Buccaneers won that Super Bowl, the photos and the, the video of Brad Johnson holding that little kid in his arms as they're celebrating on the field? Okay, that yeah, little kid is now the starting that. quarterback yeah. at LSU. We're all old, is the point. <laughs> yeah. Wow, are you serious? Yeah. Um, Holy shit! Uh, the Raiders should not draft Johnson's kid to play quarterback, though. At least not yet. He has not. He has not shown out. The next game here, real quick one: Cowboys thirty, Bengals seven. Completely meaningless game for for anything. I guess the Cowboys are also technically still alive, but no. I felt this felt good for Andy Dalton. Go back, go back to the Bengals and just just wolf up on them a little bit. And I think the Bengals need to just keep losing at this point. Locking the third overall pick, and their choice at that point should come down to either Panay Sewell, who's an offensive tackle out of Oregon and is by far the top offensive tackle in the class. And as we saw um, Joe Burrow getting murdered all season, that's probably a good idea. Or Jamar Chase, who's the top wide receiver in the class and played with Joe Burrow at LSU and was the reason that Justin Jefferson didn't have huge numbers and went like the fifth receiver instead of the first receiver. So I think the Bengals just keep losing to get to get one of those. But yeah, the Cowboys win this game, but I didn't see much in it. Did you see that they're going to extend McCarthy another year? And I think it's probably because mm -hmm. the whole Dak got hurt thing. But if Dak didn't get hurt and they were having this this type of play, um, even what we've fired. seen from the so. rest of the division, if Dak doesn't get hurt, they actually do win this division. Their their quarterback play with Dak would be so much further ahead than anybody else. Mm -hmm. Dak would have been what four times better than the second best quarterback in the division this year. So probably yeah, <laughs> he would have. But can you make an argument that the Cowboys are basically starting a former starter as their backup? The free fall from Dak to Andy Dalton may be a little bit less than a lot of other quarterback mm -hmm. situations around the league. Like if the if if Aaron Rodgers goes down and his backup comes in, that is a precipitous from what that is here. And I'm not saying Whatever that, his name is, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm the Packers. Yeah, right. But my point is, is Andy Dalton was a starter in the league for almost a decade. And yes, he wasn't necessarily a world beater, but he made the playoffs a few times and he was obviously good enough to stay in that role for a long time. And he's not a bum in the sense that he's just outright terrible. And so I've kind of wondered, you know, thinking long term about this season, if, you know, Dak getting hurt does give a pass in some way. But the fact that they're starting now somebody who had, you know, had the, had the pass that they had where you're not starting like a Mike Glennon or a Jake Luton or something like that. Do you think I there's do. any merit to uh, that? I think, but I think because the division is so close, I think the Cowboys are still only like two games back or whatever. Those two games where they had to start Ben DiNucci and Garrett Gilbert because the Washington football team just that cheap shot on Dalton. Mm -hmm. You know, winning one of those games because you have Dalton in instead of DiNucci or Gilbert would have them right back, right back in the in in the competition here. So I think I think that you're correct, okay. and I think that if I mean it's hard to say because the Cowboys aren't only a disaster because Dak is gone, but I think Dak is so good oh, that's that he can make up for a lot of that disaster. Yeah, the, the defense in particular looks very uh, misaligned out there. I see a lot of movement, a lot of guys kind of not knowing where they need to be. 
And I've heard people say, well, it's because they didn't have, you know, the, the preseason and all that. And I'm thinking, you're 13 games into the year. Like, at some point, you got to get you that gotta stuff gel. down. Yeah, you guys got to gel. And, if it's not, and that's the part that stood out to me most. I, I give them a little bit of a pass offensively outside of Zeke fumbling the ball a lot and losing a lot of those fumbles. But defensively, they look very Yeah, lost. I mean, the team, the team is a disaster yeah. in general. I just feel like with Dak at quarterback, they could be maybe win, like the Atlanta game early in the year. If they could win some game, 45 to 41, as opposed to yeah. losing them 41 to 20 mm-hmm. or whatever they've been doing with with Andy Dalton but I think your point is overall correct that with Andy Dalton like Andy Dalton should also be the best quarterback in this division this year right yep. Yep. okay the next game we have here Cleve we have the Jets three at the Seahawks 40 do you have any thoughts on this game no, actually, I have none. To be honest with you, like, I think I'm all drained out. Like, I, I think I'm over it, and these guys have no fight. And I understand why. I understand why. And I think Matt has a very valid point Um, when he said, you know, what he said a couple weeks ago is that these guys aren't, they're not going to try to win any games because, like you said, if they win a game, then the number one pick becomes in peril. So, you know, it's only, what, four Three. weeks left, if I'm right? Three? Yeah. So, yeah, because they have their bye week already. Yeah. So, yeah, what's the point of winning? What, Winning the game. Three. So, they didn't even try. Russ Wilson in this game. 21 of 27, 206 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. He did not play the fourth quarter. Yeah, it goes to show you that what was out there. I, have, I, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play because I'm contractually bound to do that. But, you know, at some point, why would you keep your star quarterback out there? For what? When, when, this game is oh, sorry, Matt. Real quick, Cleve. When uh, Russ Wilson came out of the game, who came in? Who was Russ Wilson's backup, Cleve? I have no idea. Matt? Geno Smith. Gino Smith is still in the league. Which I believe he's most noted, known for getting punched in the face in the locker room <laughs> and missing seven <laughs> weeks and ruining what could have been a, a, a thing for him. I thought that was one of my favorites. Wow. Gino Smith is still in the league. That is correct. Four, five, 33 yards, big guy. So that's a wow. That, that is, uh, although that, that amounted to a worse uh, QBR than Danny Dimes at 4.1. So, uh, but by God. the way, so Cleve, just a, a little note here for you. According to Pro Football Reference, do you know who the running back is with the most yards after the age of 30? Not, well, we, is it Frank Gore? That is correct. That's 7,057 yards after the age of 30. Compiling and compiling and compiling. <laughs> oh, my. What is, this guy made an adamantium? Like, what the fuck? Eight carries, 23 yards. That's adamantium. <laughs> no, it's it's what I kind of, it's like to, like Dave's point a few weeks ago. Like, he's sticking around. Like, he's padding the stats. He's way past done. And the fact that teams keep giving him a shot, and he's the, probably the leading rusher on the Jets. Frank Gore plays sad. in the same backfield at Miami with Willis McGahee. And yeah, Willis, Willis McGahee has been done, what, four, grandfather. four or five years now? You guys want to oh feel, feel old? I saw Frank Gore play at Miami when I was at Virginia Tech. That's how oh. long ago that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, saw him. We, I, 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 I'm sort of self-owning. Matt and I both are because Sprint Gore is actually our age. He was born in May of 83. So I'm actually like four months Man. older. Um, but you know what? I'm not in the NFL. And if I were, people should make fun of me for being old. Same yard for Carrie as Frank. You know what, Dave? Why that's relevant? And this is for some of my millennial friends that play Madden. When you when you make a player on Madden, you cannot go back that far to make a player. Like when you make a player, like you... No, it's like 19, I think like 1996 or something like that is the oldest you can go back. What a guy, 83? Not going to happen. Holy oh, shit. real quick before we move on here, I That's do have one uh, fantasy note in case any of the listeners are in their fantasy playoffs and they're sort of spooked by Chris Carson because in this game, Carlos Hyde got more carries than Chris Carson, 
It was close, but they were about even. I don't want you to freak out if you have Chris Carson or bench him this week because in the first half, I mean, this game was never in doubt. The Seahawks were up by 21 coin toss, but when the game was nominally competitive, Chris Carson had 12 carries, the hides four. So when the games are more competitive, Carson's still the man. So don't like, it's just noise. Don't freak out. Play Chris Carson. Uh, the next game here, I do not want to spend a lot of time on this game, just like for my own mental health. The Packers 31, the Lions 24. The Packers are now the number one seed in the NFC, which is important for sure. Literally nothing else about this game matters. How the hell does DeAndre Swift only have seven still carries for 24 yards? God. I mean, it was just like, wow. And then every time I hear <laughs> handoff to Peterson, I just laugh out loud. And he had four carries for oh, seven numbers. yards. Could I do that? I think I could. Without getting concussed, that I'm not sure about. But yeah, there's not much to say yeah. about this game. It was like an entertaining-ish sort of game to watch towards the end or whatever, because the Lions always play the Packers well at home. But the Lions aren't doing anything. The Packers got the number one overall seed. Aaron Rodgers looked good. Devontae Adams looked good. Like, that's it. The, uh, the next game, though, we have quite a bit to talk about. We have the Falcons 17 at the Chargers 20. And... Congrats to the Chargers for winning a close game on a walk-off field goal, but that's not really the point of this game. Matt, can you explain what happened at the end of the first half? Oh, Jesus. Um, Anthony Lynn pulled his best Anthony Lynn impression by not knowing what he wanted to do at the end of the game. And I think the clock running, no timeouts. There's like six or seven seconds left in the clock. All of a sudden, all the personnel starts running up the field, and the field goal unit starts to come in. And predictably, they didn't get the kickoff. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Yeah, so please. So this is what you guys were texting? Yes. I had yeah, no so, clue. I was so in class. So I, half, <laughs> what? Uh, they have a third and one clock running like 20-ish seconds to go at the at the snap. They run a dive play. Again, a running clock with no timeouts. And Anthony Lane calls another halfback dive like he did earlier in the year. Because there's justice, oh they don't get the God. first down. But because it was third and one, it's very close, right? And they didn't have a play call set up for what they wanted to do in case they didn't get it. So basically, like, Herbert and half the offense stays on the field. The kicker and half the half the field goal teams comes rushing onto the field. And so with four seconds to go, there were 19 chargers on the field. No timeouts. And and wow. this week, Anthony Lynn took over special teams duties. It was, it was one of the most embarrassing plays at a professional level I've ever seen. The only other one that might come close is the butt fumble. That's not to, you know, get you riled up, Cleve. I'm just saying, like, you know, to yeah. get a professional level. But, like, in terms of time management, game situations, that was one of the most egregious, if not the most egregious, and coaching because, misstep I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, because it was such a close That's game. A like, that could have cost them the game. And, in fact, it would have if Matt Ryan did not throw one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen in my life. So, Cleve, we talked about earlier with Mahomes, like, if he throws it too hard or whatever for these deflected mm -hmm. picks. Well, Matt Ryan, the Falcons are driving to kick the game-winning field goal themselves. And they're actually sort of in field goal range. I mean, they're close. They're very close to field goal range. So really, they're just trying to get more yards for a better kick. He throws a long out pass, mm -hmm. high and inside and slow, and gets it picked off by the Chargers, who then go down the field and win the game. Yeah, it, this is why I can't, and I keep telling you guys, I can't bet football because of these type of things. Obviously, human error, and then the propensity to call bonehead plays. I mean, you and I, and, you know, all three of us would probably not coach a game like that, you know, with that kind of... 20 seconds in, in the NFL is a, a, an eternity in some, you know, and then you're going to waste time with the clock ticking just to get personnel on the field. That's fireable right there. 
it's just not something like if I'm the owner of that team and I'm looking at both of these, but both of what we're looking at, either one, right? This was a game in which neither one of these teams <laughs> wanted to friggin' win. Like that's what I got out of this game. And it was just at what point is somebody going to stop doing bonehead stuff and just win this damn game? And it took all the way into a last second field goal for it to happen. Herbert, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Herbert and thinking he's got more talent around him than Deshaun Watson. But at this point, if I'm looking at this head coach, I'm thinking I'm not going out there anymore because I'm not going to waste another 36 of 44 performance in which I'm yeah. only going to throw for 240 yards. Like, That's crazy. I mean, and, and they've got talent. I mean, Eckler is back and he was pretty effective for the most part. But both of these teams and I and now these Falcons get somewhat of a pass. They're on, I think, Raheem Morris. They're on an interim coach right now. But Anthony Lynn, I think we've seen enough in this year considering what he has at his disposal right now to know that he is not the future for them. Nice guy by all accounts. But this is yes, business and, and you got to do what's best for me business. is betting football even though Cleve doesn't. And I am going to, when they after this season, after the Super Bowl, when they announce the odds for winning the Super Bowl next year, I'm immediately betting the Chargers. I think they're only one good coaching hire away mm. from being, I don't know, bet, better than the Dolphins. That's for damn sure. So I think the odds that we're going to get on the Chargers to win the Super Bowl as soon as this Super Bowl ends for the next season, it's going to be way too long. I will for sure be betting them. That does not mean mm. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. It means that the odds I'm getting, I think, are favorable. They will win the Super Bowl more often than the bet I'm betting should allow. The next game gotcha. here, this was actually a, just an awful game all the way around. Washington 23 at the 49ers 15. The game, of course, is super important because Washington takes the inside track in the NFC East. And according to Steve Kornacki, who does football stuff on Sunday nights now, this gives Washington a 71% chance to make the playoffs, which is insane. Um, they are the Washington football team. <laughs> Uh, they had two defensive touchdowns in this game. You know, it's not like they had an offensive explosion. Uh, one of them, I don't know if you saw this, Cleve. Chase Young, like, scooped up a fumble with one hand, turned to the corner on the offense, and outran, like, a running back to the end zone for a 60-yard fumble return touchdown. Yeah, no, I mean, two. it's the reason that the guy was, what, was he number three overall? Two. Yeah, it's the reason why he was. You know, like, I mean, you know, you, you have no you have no uh, say where you get sent because the way the, the way the structure is set up but could you imagine him on a I mean know, he's team? gonna be on a division winner but uh yeah you know I know he didn't go third overall because the Lions picked third overall so of course he didn't go third overall we got Jeff Okuda we got his Ohio State teammate <laughs> who say he's struggling We'll, we'll just put it that way. Um, but yeah, Chase Young, just an absolute monster. They're sure. talking about now, like, he's already one of the best defensive ends in the NFL. And I don't think that's high. I don't think that's hyperbole. I think he actually, like, next year's mad and he should be like a 93. That's what's up. You can just tell watching him play. He has a an instinct about him. It's like an it factor. And I know those things don't translate on paper, but there's something about him that he changes the game when he's when he's really locked in. And this game was was, was that for sure. Granted, against a team that is quarterbacked by Nick Mullins, and I have to ask, have we seen enough of the Nick Mullins experience this year? I mean, they're five and eight. Can they throw Beathard in there and kind of see what's what? Yeah, Cause, exactly. Because exactly. Mullins just—I mean, I got to give the kid credit. They're—they're they're playing hard, and I've said this, to, uh, you know, before that Shanahan's coaching to me stands out because the team 
has been at least in a lot of these games and hasn't just been blown out. But, you know, Nick Mullins hasn't looked very good. Alex Smith getting hurt in this game Mm -hmm. uh, kind of made a lot of people uncomfortable because you don't want to see that again. And it was a leg thing. Doesn't seem to be... Same leg. uh, Yeah, it doesn't seem to be super serious. But I think if I'm Alex Smith, you know, it's a tough tough decision whether I come back or not. Because, yes, they're probably going to win the division. But I don't know. Like, if I have that kind of a leg injury in my past and I hurt that same leg, I'm hesitant personally, but I'm not an athlete in that in this way so i can't necessarily say what he will do but uh, i think washington is playing well and that's all you can really say they're winning the games they have to win to win this division and whether that means that they're good or not I and mean, we know they're not great but hey if they're going to win the division that's saying something about what they're doing with what they have was smith went yeah. out oh, haskins. Was, was haskins in like who, who took awful it? yes he was um shit how do you do you know that he's he's of course he was overdrafted thrown into a terrible situation he was like the poster boy for it needs a fresh start somewhere i'm not shocked if Dwayne Haskins like oh, you know leaves washington signs on somewhere as a backup for three years cleans like he's still in the league on season five of political football and then like he goes to the pro bowl or something like he just like it was, everything was just way too soon too soon for that kid and i should be disposed to not wanting to root for him because he went to ohio state but my my hatred for ohio state is based on like respect for them and how good they are my hatred for the washington football team is based on dan snyder so it's like it's more real so i just want the kid to get out of there and go on and be be good Khalib, i do want to ask you alex smith has a calf strain on that same leg that he had the severe injury on and I know you're a trainer and not a doctor, so you might not know about flesh-eating mm-hmm. bacteria, but do you think this calf strain is mm-hmm. worse for him than it would be for somebody mm-hmm. else because of that prior injury? Yes. Um, and again, thanks for prefacing that I'm not a doctor, so this is this is opinions based on my level of scope. Yeah, so, I mean, he you know, he had a, uh, a really bad um, infection from the break that he had when he tore his leg up and mangled it, basically. Any other injury to that area, um, he did have a good recovery time. But any other injury to aggravate anywhere in that area, it is cause for concern because his body has a memory of that situation. So, yeah, he could kind of not relapse, but he could go into another situation where, to Matt's point, do you weigh your options like, hey, man, you know, I play a sport where I'm constantly going to get hit. Do I want to do this beyond whenever? Yeah, I, I personally, I think he's going to come back if he can because he, you know, God, he was the first overall pick in 2005, which means he's he was a junior. So he's a year younger than Frank Gore. So like he's got to know that it's running that it's running out for him. Mm-hmm. So uh, and he probably didn't expect to have a look at playing in the playoffs this year. So I think he's going to take it. I don't think there's any way if he's cleared he doesn't he doesn't come back. Yeah. Uh, one other note from this game: Kyle Uzcheck scored his fourth touchdown of the year. That would be more than Raheem Mostert, George Kittle, and Debo Samuel. Is he a lineman? I just paid no, back in the game. He's actually he's like legitimately good, shit. and he would have been Tom Rathman if he played thirty years ago. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the next wow. game here, this we do want to spend a little bit of time on because uh, there's all sorts of stuff all over the place here. It's the Saints 21 at the Eagles 24. I just want to note two things real quick. The first is that this loss knocked the Saints out from the number one seed, put the Packers in place. I don't remember the exact number, but I remember when Steve Kornacki was talking about this, that the Packers have a very significant chance of holding on to that number one overall seed. So this is a really bad loss for the Saints. Before we talk about what everybody wants to talk about for the Eagles, I do want to mention Miles Sanders, who gets lost in the shuffle. 14 carries, 115 yards, two touchdowns, and apparently good quarterback play can get him some space if he can operate. So, gentlemen, starting with Cleve, why don't you all go ahead and take your victory lap on Carson Wentz? So, Carson Wentz, as we know, he regressed from all hell. And he did have, you know, I'm not saying the guy's devoid of talent, but the team's respond better and it's been three different personnel groupings since you know he 
since he fell off a, a minor cliff, small cliff, that these guys play better. And I think the the telling part of it is what we were saying before, at least I was saying early in the season, is that I don't think that he trusts the coaching staff instructions because he's talented and he's like, you know what, I don't like that situation. So rumblings came out about him changing plays, making decisions in the huddle, like not going to work. And he's kind of like muddying the play calling. The guys didn't respond to him because he's he's arrogant and he has a line to the front office. So again, I think with these quarterbacks having some equity upstairs, Peterson is kind of handcuffed and scared to do something. But at the end of the day, you're the head coach. Your job's on the line if the team's not winning. And you saw him at the podium look like this is a guy in a in a victory. And to Dave's point, you know, you're you can upset the seating and you're acting like man like you know what i just want to enjoy this win or whatever i'm like yeah we have to get this fucking asshole out of the lineup because he's not doing it i've given him every opportunity over 10 weeks and he's not doing it so i'm shutting him down gonna see what we got in this other pick and go over it that's that's my take yeah I'm not really going to take a victory lap on Wentz because I feel like what we saw was pretty spot on with what ended up happening. But a couple things about this game. First, <laughs> Miles Sanders, he did add some space. He had 14 carries, 115 yards. 82 of those came on one carry. So the rest of the stats don't look as good as that. But interestingly enough, I think he has the most like 70 plus yard touchdowns yeah. this year yeah. of any running back or something like that, which I was very, very, very surprising. But a couple things. So if, I, if I'm looking at this game, uh, what really, to me, won it for the Eagles was um, their their defensive line bullied the, the the New Orleans offensive line, and Taysom Hill's stat line really wasn't that bad. It was twenty eight to thirty eight, two ninety one two touchdowns and a pick, but got sacked five times, only ran the ball five times. So it was very obvious to me that they weren't able to do, I think, what they wanted to do because it seemed like Taysom Hill, like aesthetically when you watched it, his play didn't look that great. Well, the stat line doesn't tell you the whole story, but aesthetically it didn't look that good. And I thought what the Eagles did played to the strengths of what they had in there, where Peterson knew what Hertz could do as opposed to what Wentz could do. Hertz was 17 to 30, so it wasn't as if his completion percentage was off the charts. But they did enough to win, and he also rushed for over 100 yards, which is super helpful. So when you have running back over 100, your quarterback is over 100, and your defensive line is getting pressure the way that they did, it's a recipe for success most of the time. Yeah, it's called team play. It's called it's called playing a team sport and not being a disruptor. And I think that line is 15th in the league, which is you know middle of the pack, 15th in the league with the decimation that they had. So clean in this game, up to play. a touchdown pass was thrown by by Jalen Hurts to Alshon Jeffrey. Yeah, who like is obviously <laughs> still in the league because he's not even wow. that old really. But I honestly thought like mm-hmm. if you told me he took an Alex Smith type type injury and had missed last three seasons, I would have been like, yeah, that sounds about right. So I just think that Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. makes everybody on the team around him better. Not necessarily because, like, not like he's Magic Johnson, but, like, the fact that he can move and get out of the pocket and sort of mitigate the disaster that is the offensive line allows the other players to do better, like Miles Sanders, like Alshon mm-hmm. Jeffrey. And I just think it's very clear that, at least for the rest of this season, Jalen Hurts needs to be the starting quarterback for the Eagles. I think it. I don't think they can catch Washington. Yeah, I cannot believe I'm saying this. I don't think they can catch Washington football team with the division. But uh, I think that... <laughs> Just like we said with AJ McCarron, it's definitely true for Hurts. You gotta give them these games and see see what you really have there. The uh, the next game we have here, mm-hmm. we have the Steelers fifteen mm-hmm. at the Bills twenty six, and uh, this game was just a paradigm shifting game. 
like some games are like okay these two teams are evenly matched and you know if they play again we uh, whatever this game to me signaled that the bills are the second best team in the afc not pittsburgh i think the bills just handled this handled this business and i think the bills are actually now legit title contenders you used to say like oh would you take the bills against the chiefs against the steelers against the what yes like the Bills can win the Super Bowl without without a question. And I wonder if the Steelers' defensive injuries have been too much. You know, we focus so much on the offensive side of the ball when teams get injuries, but the Steelers lose Devin Bush, they lose Bud Dupree, and they have the three best linebackers in the game. Now they're down to one of them. I just don't know if that's a bit too much. And Stephon Diggs in this game, your boy, 10 for 131 and a touchdown. Yeah, he was going off. Yeah, he was. Matt had the keys to DeLorean uh, this uh, this week because he called this weeks ago about Big Ben. And it, Matt, if you remember what you said, can you bring it up for the listeners again? I think at the time that I came on the show, I talked about how given Ben's injury the, the previous year, his ability to throw the ball deep was had diminished. I mean, he's also 38 years old and that they had been relying heavily on the short to intermediate passing game quite a bit. And they'd been very successful because they have they have a lot of talent. I think Dave, you had said that too, where they have a lot of talented receivers. And one of the things to make an old quarterback young is to put talent around him. But I do wonder if these better defenses or other or teams that are now honing in on that and the success level of the intermediate and short passing game is going to have marginal success now. And with the Steelers not being able to run the ball, I think they've had their last three games, they've had like under 70 yards rushing as a team. Yep. And that's not going to be a recipe for their success, especially if we're now seeing them against the Bills. I mean, this game wasn't really particularly close. They had that pick six at the end of the first half on a really short pass. And that's just what I think. And I'm not saying Ben isn't talented enough or that they're not talented enough, but there's a lot of things that seem to have to go right for them. And it seems as if they are trending in the absolute wrong direction. Compared yeah, I mean, to the other teams Matt, would you be shocked if, I mean, I don't know what Pittsburgh's exact run out is here, but I know they end the year against Cleveland. I mean, would it be shocking that they don't even win this division at this point? So, Dave, I think what I'd be least surprised about the, the Steelers getting a first-run matchup and losing in that first weekend, because looking at their schedule, I mean, they were 11-0, and and I think at that point, they were one of the shakier 11-0 teams because they weren't flashy. We knew that there was a limitation on their offense, and now you're looking at them two games later. They're 11 So last night's game kind of takes out the division part a little bit because now the Browns, and I, again, I can't believe they're saying this, but at 9-4, they're two games behind. But take a look at this. So the Steelers have the Bengals this week. I think we can all call that a win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they'll be 12 and 2. The Browns have the Giants, 10 and 4. And then after that, the Steelers have the Colts, which could be a tough game. It's at home, but we said that the Colts have a high ceiling, so it's very possible that they could be a tough game. So let's say that they lose that game. Then the Browns have the Jets, obvious win. So we're talking about 11 and 4 and 12 and 3. And guess what? Browns and Steelers play each other the last week in Cleveland. So, Dave, to your point, these two teams could very well end up with the same record. The Steelers might eke out the tiebreakers. I'm not sure what all of those are. Yes, they would. Some- same record the uh, Steelers win. Right. So either way, let's say that, I mean, so I think that there is a chance for them to finish tied, but I don't know if that's, I think the math is tougher to sound like uh, CNN here during the election. The math is tough for the Browns to come back and do that. And I don't think that the Ravens, I don't know if the Ravens have a chance to do it either, but I mean, it's very possible that the Browns could end up with the same record as the Steelers and make it further because I think the Browns have a higher ceiling given how they're playing right now. I just don't have a lot of faith in in the Steelers given that the AFC at this point now, Chiefs, Bills, Browns, like all of those teams are good. Mm -hmm. Tight Colts. 
So look, look at them compared to the rest of the field that we're looking at now, the projected field. I think that it's going to be very difficult to see the Steelers, given how they are playing now, giving their offensive ineptitudes and their defensive injuries past maybe the second weekend. I, I just do. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to have it. It's going to be really interesting because let's say that the Browns and Steelers do end up each at 12 and 4. The Steelers will have gotten there. They will back their way into that because they were 11 and 0. So that means they're 1 and 4 down the stretch. Cleveland, on the other hand, would have come storming back after this this uh, game we're about to talk about next to be rolling in with all this momentum in, into the playoffs. So I think that even if they do finish 12 and 4, both of them together, the Steelers will win the division, but the Browns will be winning at the right time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and that's kind of the point that I'm making. And, and sometimes the hottest teams coming into the playoffs end up making the runs. And I'll use the two uh, Patriots-Giants Super Bowls as that. I mean, those Giants teams came in, and you look at them on paper record-wise, not anything that's special, but they got on a hot run in the playoffs. And that's a lot of times what you need. And the Steelers kind of peaked early, and they don't look like a team that has that it factor that's going to wow you in the playoffs. As great as Mike Tomlin is, they're hurting, and it's not just the it's not just the injuries either. I mean, offensively, if they're not going to be able to put up any points, they're certainly not going to beat the Steelers. I mean, I'm excuse me, the the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. And if the Browns can run the ball the way that they have, and even last night's game, which we'll get to in a minute, I mean, they are so effectively running the football that it makes life so much easier for Baker. Mm-hmm. And if the secondary of the Steelers is now down, you know, and the, the defense is down, and Baker keeps doing what he has been doing and having like. You know, not as many lows and a lot more highs, and they're running the football. Browns are going to be tough. I mean, imagine if the Steelers and Browns somehow met in like the first weekend. Again, that could be very, very interesting. I don't know if that could actually happen, but you should, I think you're getting my point. Yeah, no, I know. I think I take your point for real. The only, the only point of contention I have is that I don't think the Giants beating the Patriots of those Super Bowls they think it's with momentum. I think it's because Eli Manning is better than Tom Brady. I mean, that's very no, not not, not 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 really. I just want to say something nice for that Giants fan because we dunked out your team. Oh, <laughs> um, well, you can't spell elite without Eli and by the eliminate. <laughs> nice. Are we still doing this? What, what, what can't you spell without Detroit Lions? Because um, I, I wish I would love for the Lions to lose four straight Super Bowls like Buffalo. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I don't think that the Bills. I I, I think that the Bills are the like optimum version of the Cleveland Browns. And so let's move on to talking about the actual Cleveland Browns. We have the Ravens 47 at the Browns 42. And this was the best game of the season so far, in my opinion, uh, mainly because it felt like a college game uh, with the back and forth and the huge numbers and whatever. The story of this game is Lamar Jackson. But before we get to that, I want to make just the, the point that this game was a good game played between two even teams and that is not an insult to the Ravens that is props to Cleveland they are they these teams are equally good and that's amazing for Cleveland given where these two teams were last year Mm -hmm. and think about this so the Browns in the first half of the season we we didn't really know what they were and they played two really good teams they played the Ravens and they played the Steelers and they lost them by almost identical 38 to 6 and 38 to 7 and now here's the a game which we think all right this is a test for the Browns. They beat the Titans last week, and we said that that was a good win for them in terms of moxie that they brought. And now they're on prime time against a team that they have not really been able to beat. I think they beat them twice. John Harbaugh took over in Cleveland or something like that, some ridiculous stat. And yeah, they lost. But like you said, Dave, they proved that they're on equal footing with this team. And that's something that we didn't think when they lost in that first week. Yeah, and I feel like the Browns, I feel like the formula is replicable year to year. 
Like last year, the Ravens were the best team in the league, at least during the regular season, partly because Mahomes got hurt, but also because Lamar Jackson played at a level that is just impossible to sustain. No, no quarterback could play that well over a seat. Like it was just a statistical anomaly. But the Browns, we have Baker out here, 20 of 47, 343 yards, two touchdowns, a pick, five carries, 23 yards, and a touchdown. Combined, like combined with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and they get Odell Beckham back next year. Like I actually think the Browns have some staying power. I don't think this is a flash in the pan sort of situation. I agree, and the the continuity on that offensive line makes a huge difference. And I don't think we talk about that enough with some of these other teams where all of those guys have now started something like almost a full season or more together. Mm-hmm. And that makes a huge difference. And also Nick Chubb, it's like six yards a carry for the season, which somehow is third in the league. I'm not sure how that's only third in the league, but you're, I mean, I think you're right, Dave. I mean, this is not something where you're really looking for Baker to have a career year every single year, the way that the Ravens got last year. This is very sustainable, especially if they can keep the game plan to where Baker can make the fewest mistakes as possible. And he has been mostly doing to me. Mm-hmm. I think last night's game, Dave, uh, a combined for nine rushing touchdowns. Yeah, it was either eight wow. or nine. It was it was a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, and as a person who desperately needed Kareem Hunt, so if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, I mentioned a possible million dollar uh, uh, fantasy tournament. Well, that one bombed out for me. But the smaller one is $50,000 the first place. And I needed Kareem Hunt to score two touchdowns, basically, to advance in the tournament. And thanks, Mr. Hunt. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited. Maybe that's why I'm so high on Cleveland is because they're going to win me money. <laughs> but uh, I think the story of this game, I mean, I think the Browns are the are important takeaway from this game. But the Ravens actually did sort of look like the Ravens again. And Lamar Jackson goes 11 of 17 for 162 yards and a touchdown, but nine carries for 124 yards in two touchdowns. And he didn't even play the entire game because he left the game with cramps. I, I, I'm assuming like some some part of his leg, he was having cramps, goes back to the locker room. Cleve, in a second, I want you to tell us like what they were doing for him to help him with these cramps. But then his backup, Trace McSorley, gets seriously injured. And like Willis Reed, Lamar just comes storming out of the locker room and back into the game. So Cleve, can you speak to what it would be like you know, getting cold again with those cramps, what they were doing for him uh, to treat the cramps and then how he must have been feeling as the game went on. So, um, so the um, again, not knowing the full uh, full scope of what happened to him. Uh, cramps is a good indication of, of dehydration. So the way to treat that would be an IV. So you, you would have to go back into the training facility to get an IV. Literally, just they put you on a table basically and put an IV in you and hydrate. Um, Lamar is a high functioning athlete, so you know, and he's uh, I think he had COVID. Yes, he right? did. So yeah, so it's it's and again, I'm 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 not casting aspersions or making a diagnosis here, but he could have had some you know lingering effects from COVID because I think one of the side I'm um, sorry, one of the things with COVID is that the you know dehydration and also fatigue. So he may be still dealing with some lingering effects from that, but IV probably got him back up and you know got him back on the field. I'm going to solve this mystery for the both of you. Lamar had to poop, plain and simple. <laughs> Cramps. Now we know exactly what that means. So so I, so I saw that theory floating around on Twitter. And if it gets proven that that was the case, that he just had to shoot a deuce, like I, I, I won't disbelieve it, but I don't believe it on its face without more evidence. <laughs> And the reason is because, one, he was gone so long. Hey, man, some people read in the bathroom. You don't know what he's reading. He might have been like, <laughs> he's, you know, probably, he's probably watching out. the games. Like, damn, this is good. Yeah. I'm going to watch this. 
But the other thing, too, is the exact timing of when he was able to come back. Like, you can force yourself back on the field if you're still cramping a little bit. You cannot force yourself back on the field because your backup gets hurt if you're still just blasting out a turd. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just get up and run back out on the field. I mean, I guess you could, but then we would all know the situation. Yeah, but, I mean, it's the funniest thing for me to think about. When I saw that he left with cramps and then came back like um, like Willis Reed, I was like, oh, he totally took a poop. But one, one stat about this game that I want to get in because it gets lost in the fact that the Browns played so well. They actually fumbled the ball seven and lost none of them. Oh, so yeah. Let's not do that in a, a playoff game because there is no way you're going to have that kind of luck. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, earlier this year, Michigan State fumbled seven times against Rutgers and lost to Rutgers. So, yeah, fumbling fumbling a lot is definitely a way to get yourself definitely a way to get yourself into trouble. Rashard Higgins three times. Like, who? why are we not pulling him off the field at this point? Three? Like, we're giving him three? That's, that's the leash? My goodness. Yeah, I mean, because I don't like Donovan People Jones was playing bad either. My boy was out there killing it. Three catches, 74 yards, caught the two-point conversion off the kit from Kareem Hunt. This game was just really fun. Just a great, great back and forth. You know, the Browns were down two scores, come back, take the lead. So they're down 34 to 20 late in the third. They score a touchdown, make it 34 to 26. And they go for two. And honestly, at that point, I forgot that most Cleveland fans are Ohio State fans. I was just so happy for the Browns because it's just the absolute correct thing to do. And nobody ever does it in that situation, you know, that early in the game, in a game that's going back and forth like that. It was still the exact, exact right thing to do. And it almost worked because they scored again to go up 35 to 34. I was just really happy to see that. Yeah. And the teams combined for 35 points in the fourth quarter. Like, as a viewer, that's what you want to see. Like, it's fun when there's a shootout. But if they're all in the, you know, and they're on the first half, it's not nearly as fun because the 35 points in the fourth quarter, those are extremely meaningful points in that time period. Fun stuff. All right. So, so I'm, I'm going to double back on the dehydration mm-hmm. theory. I, I text you guys something to, you know, just to look at in general whenever you get a chance. It's not that important. Um, so depending on the, the age, gender, um, build, activity level, that kind of thing, um, normal IV intake can take 30 to 60 minutes, uh, 60 minutes on the, on the severe end, but it can be less if the person is a very high functioning individual, which we all know Lamar Jackson is. So, um, again, the poop theory might work because <laughs> it, it, it happens. You know, I think that he might have got an IV and they just gave him a little, a little I mean, boost. It, it could be both. He could be having leftover Rhea from the COVID, which is causing him to be dehydrated. Like it could, mm-hmm. it could be any number of these, of, of these, of these things. I just think that he, I think he was for sure getting an IV for dehydration, no matter the cause. And I would love to know the story in the locker room. Like if, if, if he saw Trace was sort of get hurt and he just like rips the IV out of his arm and just goes mm-hmm. sprinting back out of the locker room. And the, the trainer's like, wait, no, Lamar, you have to, you can't. And he's just running out there like Superman. Like, you know, I think I think it's a great story. And if it were a movie, I'd be like, oh, this is cheesy. Really, really random note before we move on. So I had a friend, um, rest in peace. Uh, he was a um, WBC welterweight champ. And he lost a fight once. Um, he had severe diarrhea. And he was forced to keep fighting. I'll send you guys the article. It's actually ridiculous. And you know, he, had, he had a laugh about it, you know, when he was alive. But... To Matt's point, you know, it, it could do that. And today's point, having the poop <laughs> could cause dehydration as well. I think it's a, a, it might be a COVID thing that he's, like, you know, dealing with. Um, but, yeah, if I just get Yeah, absolutely. So, um, like like we said, this game was very important in telling. It was a good one for the Ravens. I think this game does set up uh, all three AFC North teams are going to make it into the playoffs now. Because the Ravens aren't going to lose again, I don't think. 
I don't have their exact schedule in front of me, but they, they have like easy games to, to, to close it out. So looking forward to next week here. This week is actually mm-hmm. a little bit interesting. So first on Thursday night, we have two teams trained in the wrong direction. They cannot get out of their own way. We have the Chargers at the Raiders. Wow. Yeah. So that's going to be, uh, um, I mean, I think it'll be a good game actually on Thursday night. It, I don't think it's going to end up mattering much, but it's going to be fun to watch. Then we have two games on Saturday. We have the Bills at the Broncos, which for my fantasy lineup that I mentioned earlier is very important because my teams are built around Josh Allen and his receivers and Drew Locke and his receivers. So if this game could be like 47 to 42, but with passing touchdowns, I would I would like that. Um, and then the other Saturday game is the Panthers at the Packers. So the Packers should just absolutely stop there. But the reason this is important is because this is also college football championship weekend. For the conferences um and i think it's interesting that the nfl has these two games that like should not be super competitive at least on paper and i would say on saturday that the game that you really want to watch is notre dame and clemson in the rematch because when they played the first time trevor lawrence didn't play yeah mm-hmm. so i think that's actually yeah. the most like the most interesting and you know it's a good way to see trevor lawrence against a really good team as well as opposed to watching the panthers fart around or drew lock get destroyed by buffalo is, is notre dame still undefeated like yes yeah. Um, the moving on to the Sunday games. We're just scanning here. Oh, the Lions are at Tennessee, so Derrick Henry's going to get 400 yards. <laughs> Lord help me. Um, oh, here we go. So the Washington Football Team hosts Seattle. Oh man, Russ might Russ might just play like a half. Uh, I mean, well, the thing is, is that the last time the Seahawks came out to play the NFC East, they played the Giants and they lost 17 to 12. Um, so we know they have. It's a one o'clock game, so it's an early game for Seattle as well. And Washington has a much better defense than the Giants for sure. So I actually think that this is a game that Washington can be competitive in, but they're going to need some help from Seattle. If Russ comes out and cooks, I, I don't see Washington be able to win this game. If Washington does win this game, that that's a wrap for for that division. Um, mm-hmm. The Dolphins host the Patriots. That's a good 14-point win for the Dolphins. Sorry, Matt. Um, yeah, so like the Ravens get Jacksonville this week. That's a win. Uh, see here, I'm just going through here. The, uh, Jalen Hurts against Kyler Murray. Oh, that should be good. Be yep, that'll be a good one. So there's only three four, 4 o'clock games. That's one of them. The second one are your New York Jets cleave at the Rams. Yeah, that's going to be um, – if that kid ran the way he did <laughs> yeah. last week, yeah, he's going to he's gonna run. Yeah, Cam Akers going to put himself in conversation for best rookie running back after he gets done with the Jets. Um, but then we have a couple good games to close it out. The – 425 p.m. game, Chiefs at the Saints. Mm, they need to they need to flex that to Sunday night. Oh, how about the Monday night? Well, either way, I mean, Browns Giants isn't intriguing outside of the Browns being good, and Steelers Bengals isn't intriguing. Either option, it should be flexed somewhere that I can watch. The yes, I, I I agree, <laughs> especially because I think I think we're gonna get Breeze back for this game, and we're gonna get Tyreek Hill and Michael Hardman in the dome on the fast track. This game's gonna be amazing. Track me, yeah, this game. The Drew Brees thing is actually really interesting. You're Sorry good. to cut you off, Dave, because because you're you're looking at a team that's now what three and one uh, since he's been gone, and they lost the number one seed, so they, there's a lot of pressure now. And with the, the kind of injury that he had, it does make you wonder at what point he is serviceable to come back. Uh, especially since if they can't keep him clean, I mean, I, I would be worried if I were them. Be- and I know that he's their ceiling, but it's just an interesting uh, an interesting wrinkle of to the game because of the particular injury that he had and where they are in the standings currently bet money he's gonna have a, he's gonna have the biggest flak jacket you've ever seen <laughs> he's just gonna be wearing james winston 
like as a chest protector. Yeah, because you oh. gotta you gotta figure if he has if he has bruised ribs or broken ribs, hit, hit, throwing a crush, you know, throwing your throwing motion. Oh my god, that's gonna that's gonna suck, man. They're gonna. I, I bet you Kamara has. If he plays, he's gonna have like thirty carries. Oh no, he won't have thirty carries. He'll thirty targets, right? <laughs> Go get those five yard, those little five yard targets. Yeah, scan, yeah, all those. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think I think you make a good point, Matt. I think Breeze is coming back as soon as he can, though. And the reason is that again, if I come back from the Delor with the DeLorean from the future and I say the Saints won the Super Bowl, we're not going to be like, oh, take some hill, let him to the Super Bowl. Like, well, Breeze must have come back. So I I agree with you. I just wonder if fighting for a home field is going to be yes. a lot tougher, and that's why maybe this particular game, if he's not near a hundred percent, you don't bring him back because. Now you're thinking, all right, let's not try to play for the number one seed because that might be too difficult to do given what's going on. But now we know we're going to have to play three games in a row. And if Breeze is the best chance that we have to win, let's make sure that he has had 100% so that we can have him those three weeks. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, no, that's you're right. I mean, that's actually that's an interesting gamble. Like, because being home in the Superdome is so valuable to them, especially when the alternative is having to go to mm -hmm. Green Bay for the NFC title game. Like, yeah. is, it, is it worth it? Is it worth it to risk him to try to get that favorable situation or just wait and know you can have him? That's actually, that, that's a great question. I mean, and the math is tough too because they the Packers have the Panthers, the Titans, and the Bears. So you'd like to think that two of those are going to be wins. So they could very well finish with the same record and therefore that could happen. So yes, this game is meaningful if that were to happen because I don't, I mean, but I don't necessarily think that not starting Breeze against the Chiefs is conceding a loss. It's just a gamble that you're taking thinking about this because you got to like looking at all the math. And I don't know what the, the rest of the schedule is for the Saints and what that looks like. I can look it up while you're talking. Please. Yeah. So, I mean, you guys are talking about the, the you know, we've I know we've kind of brushed this all season, um, the competitive advantage um, and hopeful advantage and things of that nature. Back in the day, you know, hopeful advantage meant like going through Foxborough and weather coming across the country in, in some aspect. Now with the advent of COVID, like wouldn't you want to play home? not to have to travel and then all of a sudden god forbid before game time they, they pull a guy like they pulled that's brian hey, hey you're positive you can't play i mean you the, know the things so, with the home field advantage as we're talking about in the playoffs it's literally just down to weather now because atmosphere won't really matter all that much because it won't be fans or whatever mm -hmm. but you know mm -hmm. if you're the saints and you play in a dome you do not want to go to lambeau for the nfc title game and if you're exactly, the packers yeah. you want them to have to come to lambeau i don't think you mind going to new orleans as much but there's no fans in anything but you no. want them to come to to lambeau so you know i think i think that the Saints, i think the Saints should do everything they can to try to get that home field advantage i probably played breeze in this game but if somebody said no we're gonna sit breeze and just know oh, we have to win three in a row in the playoffs and we'll just go for it then i would not have an issue with that either what makes the decision tough is that they're playing a really good team if they were playing like the Falcons again, you know, again or something like that, then maybe you have a little bit more leeway to make that that call of keeping Breeze out another week. But this is a game that's going to be tough to win, even at your best. So you're potentially losing a game to the the home field advantage. So I get what you're saying, Dave. It's just that's what I was thinking because you know Breeze had 11 broken ribs. Yeah, do what it's the not fuck? Not like he had one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then everybody asked, how many ribs do you have? Yeah. Like at least 11. Hey, Cleve, Cleve, as a <laughs> trainer, is it bad to break 11 ribs? Oh uh, yeah, it's catastrophic, man. It's like it's like like I said, he's gonna be wearing the biggest flag jacket you've ever seen. I had a bruised rib once, and it was so painful. So did I. I can't imagine what a broken rib, let alone 11. 
happen would feel like. Like I couldn't breathe. That's how much pain I was in, and it was I wonder, just. I wonder, if it's like though, like Joseph Stalin said, one death is a tragedy, a million is a, st- a statistic. I wonder if it's like the same thing here. Like one broken <laughs> yes. rib hurts like hell, but once you get to eleven, what's the difference? It all just hurts. Dude, just breathing, and, and Matt, you know, I, I've had the same situation, and like just breathing, taking a deep breath. It's I can't imagine doing that with eleven ribs compromised. That, I mean, football players are fucking tough guys. I, 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 I would never. People say, "Oh, rugby's tough," and I'm like, "Yeah, but football playing, bro, that is insane." If he comes out there, God, God bless that man, because I mean, that's insane. This tells you something. I have a desk job, and I had to leave the desk job because the pain of just sitting, sitting and yes. breathing was so bad. Yes. It's insane. So it's not like I'm out there. Ha- like my coworkers are not trying to sack me every time I do some it's, work. And you got to drop Drew back. Brees yeah. has that problem. Oh, fuck. Although we can get Terry Tate off as linebacker in there, and maybe that changes my decision. <laughs> the uh, so uh, Matt, you mentioned that we have the Browns at Giants for the Sunday night game, and that game is actually very important because the Giants need to win to keep pace with Washington in in the division they'll know like oh washington lost to seattle we can make up ground or washington beat seattle if we lose this is completely over the browns of course like can't lose to the giants and be taken seriously i'm pretty sure so um and then the monday night game is steelers at Bengals. which i'm actually looking i'm i'm looking forward to so much because the steelers are going to absolutely maul them and i just want to see it like i want to see a good like 52 to nothing just just hand blasting. You might get surprised. You might. You By might Brandon Allen. I don't think so. No, no, no. It's, it's not that. It's how bad. It's how bad. Like, I think. I think Matt had 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 a good point about Big Ben. Like they just stayed as long as they could without a running. Now we're seeing. Okay, we're, it's late in the season. You know, Big Ben. Big Ben's not chucking it downfield because we saw what happened when he tried. Uh, do I have enough leeway to give a stat oh. about the Giants? I mean, that's up to the Giants' goon to kidnap me. So yeah. <laughs> well, so so this is so good. Uh, per Pro Football Reference, Danny Dimes this past weekend lost 52 yards in sacks and fumbled three times. Wow. He's the first quarterback to have a game like that since himself <laughs> last year, and he's <laughs> he's also the first quarterback since 1994 to have three games like that. Wow, way to he's been in the league not that long, folks. Way, way to go on that draft. Do we pick. have the name of the quarterback awesome. in 1994, and is it Bubby Brister? <laughs> I do not know. You, you, you got to get I that. You got to put a show in. You got before we close. I got to hear who this guy is. <laughs> oh. So the other thing too about the Giants this past weekend, this was their the the results of their drives during that game. Fumble, punt, 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 fumble, punt, punt, touchdown, punt, 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 fumble. <laughs> Off. <laughs> They've been Man. Of broken ribs. Wow. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, so I think, yeah, so I mean, we got to get, so we got a good schedule coming up this week. That Chiefs Saints game is going to, is going to be, you know, the, the centerpiece of it. I'm, I'm pretty sure at least, you know, looking, looking ahead. Now we do have a little bit of time here in Cleve. You really wanted to talk about the pandemic and how it's impacting college football and just college football being played in the first place. So I'm just going to turn it over to you and that's, uh, let's hear your thoughts on this. So, I mean, obviously, um, you know, football is, you know the we have 32 teams in the NFL. Uh, college is a more than that, 130 in FBS alone. Yeah, just yeah. So there we go. So a lot of these places that are being affected um, geographically. Um, if you're still playing football in these in, in these areas, there should not be fans at this point. I mean, not even 5,000 people. Just no no fans at all. Go back to what the formula was. Or and if you're if you're playing, we're starting to see effects of teams playing a sem- well, semi season or whatever they can. And then getting dumped 
for their championship game. Oregon just got dumped, right? Or they took Oregon spot took Washington's spot, that, which is funny because they're massive rivals. Yeah, correct. And so, can you imagine those guys playing all those games to be taken out of the the lineup because they just don't have enough players to field because they're being ravaged with COVID? They they can't put a team out, you know. So another team. And I'm not saying Oregon didn't deservedly probably have a record to get it, you know, to get to that spot. But it's, it's a title, it's a title game. So these kids pretty much opted in to, to play football for, I mean, virtually nothing. Because you play, you know, they keep score for a play to win and to get a title or whatever the fuck you're going to do. So I just think that it's irresponsible that in certain areas where this is this is raging on. We had 232,000 cases yet and over 3,500 deaths. And I'm like, we're still, you know, they're, they're still having these mass event it's just, it blows my mind um and then the, of course the, the ohio state moving the goalpost as matt eloquently said to make this school eligible to, yeah. to play football yeah and let me he, let me just give the uh, background in case uh because i know a lot of our listeners are not midwest college football people um so what happened mm-hmm. is that that before the season started the big 10 scheduled eight games per team and they said you must complete six games in order to be eligible to play for the big 10 title in the big 10 championship game so of course, Ohio State's the best team, and they're just killing everybody as they as they go through their schedule. And they get to the end of the season, and they had played five games. And the last game, of course, is against Michigan. Well, Michigan had to cancel their game the week before against Maryland because they had some COVID. The week of the Ohio State game, Michigan had 45 players, either positive or close contacts to the positive player. So Michigan could not play, obviously. And so Ohio State was stuck having only played five games. Therefore, Indiana, who was 6-1 and one with their only loss being to Ohio State, should go to the Big Ten Championship game because they played seven games, which is more than six, and not five games, which is less than six. But as Cleve said, the Big Ten decided to change the rules after the fact so Ohio State could go to the Big Ten Championship game. That is so, like, I mean, I, I, I hate to sound like the President of the United States <laughs> crying about, about, a, about a, a perceived egregious thing done to me but come on man like how 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 do these guys feel that you know that this is being taken from them when they followed the rules that was agreed upon right and the thing too about that is that you know the big 10 wants to make sure that ohio state can get into the playoff because that's worth so much money to the conference in general and so they think that this is the best way to do it you have them go in and play northwestern crush northwestern they're six and oh when they get in the thing is, the playoff, their mandate is to take the four best teams, not the four most deserving teams, not the four teams that are the most fun to watch, not the four teams with the best tradition. This was to take the four best teams. And there is no argument in the world that Ohio State is not one of the four best teams in the country. And if I'm saying it, you know it's true. So so, so here's the thing. Sorry to cut you there. So here's the thing. If if, if that And that's a valid point. If that's the thing, okay, we're going to take them the popularity contest of the four best teams and obviously they're, they're crushing people but if the agreed upon rules were to listen that's like us playing a game where i'm like all right first one of 21 wins right but then something happens to my team and i we can't score another touchdown or whatever and i'm like well Dave, we got to change the rules that if i can get to 20 um that's going to put me in. So I get to 20, you get to 18. Right, so I, but we agreed well we agreed on 21 being right and so the, the question for for is is ensuring Ohio State making it to the playoff worth ripping the chance at a Big Ten championship away from Indiana, who hasn't won the conference since 1967? But that doesn't mean that they that they don't deserve a chance right. to compete. Right. That's that's my problem. Like it's it's athletics. It's it's you know. But I think one of you guys said it might have been you, Dave, like weeks ago about uh, 
that I can't remember the quote. It was something about athleticism can't survive this. But compared, yeah, so that's a, like, that's a line from Brian Cook at MGO Blog. He said, specifically, yeah. he was talking about college basketball. That college sports mm-hmm. can survive the pandemic, but amateurism cannot. Like you can't force these Correct. kids into bubbles, right? Because you don't consider them employees, even though they are. So, because you have this horrible amateurism model, which again, I want an episode of the offseason talking about this. You have this awful amateurism model mm-hmm. that exploits these kids. Well, now you're in a situation to where the college sports can't survive because of this awful situation. Like the NFL is doing better than college with this. It's not because they have more money or there's more passion for the game or there's more institutional support. It's because NFL players are employees and everybody knows it. And college football players are employees, but nobody wants to admit it. Exactly. And and again, to my point, again, it, it, this is just an observation and optics. It's that, it's that another team doesn't deserve the chance to compete, whether they're going to get crushed or not. They, they compete. They're in the conference. Like, they they strap up every weekend like everyone else. But because you you don't have OSU on your fucking jersey, that we're not going to do that for you. Because it just seems unfair. And I and I, and I I hate Ohio State as much as anybody else. And I hope they get fucking destroyed <laughs> in the playoffs. I just hope. I, I just hope. So I can just say I told you so. This is what you guys wanted. Alabama came in and rolled, <laughs> rolled everybody. So, yeah. I hope they get fucking destroyed. And, and Dave, I just want to make a uh, uh, an add-on to your point that mm-hmm. nobody wants to admit that the players are employees. It's mostly white people who yes. want to admit that they're players. Yeah, are I mean, college football is, is and yes. I have a, I have a tough time. I have a tough time with the morality around football in a lot of cases. But when it comes to the college game, there's a lot of a lot of mm-hmm. older white men getting rich by exploiting the free labor of mostly black athletes. I mean. In college football, it's only like 55 to 60% black, whereas the NFL is like 75%. Um, again, college football mm-hmm. has white corners. Um, but, you know, mm. it, it, it's a real problem and one that needs that needs to be addressed. And the pandemic, just like so many other problems in our society, has just completely exposed this. You know, you've got this kid in Florida playing basketball, collapses on the court. He had COVID earlier before the season. Yes. And, like, you don't know if it's connected yeah. or not yet. Yes. But is it even worth yeah. the risk? Is it worth the risk for the kids? Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you told me right now I'm going to give you $3 million to go play basketball from Michigan in the middle of a pandemic, I'd be like, okay, I can make that work. If you were like, you're going to do it for free, I'd be like, no, I don't think I am. So, you know, yeah. it just, yeah. this whole week has really brought together the problem of the sports and the pandemic and the college sports specifically. Yeah, I'm with you, Dave. I have a morality issue with this these days uh, because for every for every uh, kid that goes pro and makes it and, and all that and gets paid, what about all the kids that have something like this guy, this guy at Florida where they have this catastrophic physical ailment and then we never see from them again? And guess what? The school doesn't really care about him after that. You know, it's not, you know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Where it's like, they're not getting compensated in the moment. And then if that, if all of that changes because of something that's completely out of their control, their whole life has changed. Their whole trajectory has changed. And the school is not making up for that in any way. All they're doing is counting the money in a lot, in a lot of cases. Let me ask you guys if, so, I mean, and Matt, you made a really good point. Maybe touch on something. So obviously the compensation right now is under the guise of you get a degree if you want, right? You come back, you know, after you play and you leave, you could come back and still get it or whatever. Would would it make it easier to say, well, if you're going to play at Michigan, if you're going to come to this school and play, that, that you have to earn your degree. If, if you're going to leave for the NFL in three years, that means you, you, you need to fast track your degree and graduate, you know, to, to earn that. 
before you leave for the NFL. Because a lot of people we know, we're not stupid. Everyone's using this as a conduit to get to the NFL. I mean, in most cases, this is your chance. So I'm going to go to a high-profile school, play ball, so and I, get to the NFL. Yeah, so I don't, I don't like that yeah. idea because I don't like putting... Like, I want to put as few parameters. Because, because the thing is, the players are the like they are the labor force like the primary labor force and politically i'm just always so in favor of labor in almost every circumstance that i don't want to put more conditions on what labor has to no 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 i mean i mean getting a degree i mean i don't know what you guys um well matt i don't know what you paid for school uh over your course um of of, of time going to school but you know, I was in the up, upper ninety thousand. But I was I. I'm still paying student loans twenty five years later. I, I, I'm still like right, thirty thousand. But the, but the thing is, is that the players on so so I'll use uh, Michigan as as an example here. Although Virginia Tech works just as yeah. well, that the players on the major sports teams, uh, men's basketball and football at Michigan, as well as hockey to a lesser extent. They are marketing employees for the university. Like the university is so has so much more money That's now correct. because of the Fab Five. Like you know, they are they mm -hmm. are marketing for the university, and they are they should be considered employees of the university. And just like how other employees of the university, like if I got a job right now, because uh, I'm a hotel concierge, not working. If I got a job right now, say at like uh, um, American University here in DC you know greeting people as they come in and whatever doing tours or whatnot i would get a huge tuition discount go to go to that school because i work for them. right and that's how we need to view these players mm -hmm. the players are employees of the school they are not students at the school first they are employees of the school they get to that then get to go to the school because they're of their employment and once we start looking at it like that because that reflects the reality of the situation a lot more of these questions fall into play right and then the, the economics kind of come in too, Dave, where you're talking about, you know, what things are worth. And we always talk about like willingness to pay. It dictates a lot of things. But I mean, Cleve, what I what I end up coming up to with this is that you're talking about you know, you're making them go to school. You're making them get a degree when a vast majority of the players in those prime sports. And let's focus on football and basketball. They're not there. The, the education has no value to them in the mm -hmm. long run because they're thinking about the big time money of going professional and doing all this. Yeah. Not, not every one of them, but Dave, I think you understand. And to say that an education is, is mandated of them and also considered compensation to me doesn't really go well together because I know what my education was worth from how much I paid for it, but I also know how much it's worth in what it got me because of where my life trajectory was. I was not on the verge of being a professional athlete I where I'm a marketed item myself, and I need to think about my future, which is why I don't have any issue with these players sitting out bowl games and opting out because they're thinking about their future, their mm -hmm. brand, because they're the only ones that are marketing that. The school is marketing that for their own personal gain. They're not marketing that for the benefit of the player. No, I, for the most I totally part. understand that. I you totally know what I mean? So I guess what yeah. I'm trying to say, because I remember when Zion went to Duke and how much money Coach K got. <laughs> And that's why he was so pissed about the Nike thing, right? Because he's like, "Listen, you know what but the I'm, fuck? Like this guy, you know, this is I need this guy right now, and you know, you're paying him, well, paying me, I'm paying the school, so I get that. And what I'm saying is that the current situation, the current guys, is that is that okay? These guys are getting paid their degree, air quotes. That's what that's why it's you know they're not employees of this school. Otherwise, a kid from Liberty City or wherever can't come in here and pay for an education at right, Michigan. Right, but the thing, the thing to keep it. in mind, though, and you know? this is why, you know, 
you can't like pick one-off situations when talking about the entire system like Zion because in college basketball, there's so many players that come in as, as one and duns, and that's the design. For eligibility purposes, mm-hmm. your eligibility, you have to be enrolled in the current term, and then your eligibility is based on your grades from the last term. Well, if you're playing college basketball and you're never going pro right away, you only have to be enrolled in classes. You never even have to go because if you're going to, the current term is the basketball term. So you're enrolled in classes. There is no previous term if you're a freshman. So you get in, you enroll, you never go to yeah. class, you play ball, you go pro. I mean, I don't know if Zion went to class or not at Duke. I know he didn't have to, right? Wow. Yeah. And what Dave is advocating for is taking away the guise that this is amateurism and for the educational purposes, where it's like, hey, if a player wants to come here because they need to get the experiences to go pro, pay them like an employee, let them come here, make money for the school, then they go off in professional and make more money, right? That's basically what you're saying, because now you're putting an education on top of it, making it a mandate per Cleves question, and it's another, like... Right. Of and, and, what what this so is. so you pay football basketball do you pay swimming do you pay lacrosse do you play bowling do you play uh, the fucking well, fencing team no but that's that's a whole no, that's a whole other topic which we will get into later as, as it as it pertains yeah, yeah, to yeah. the it. current situation of the pandemic i do want to use somebody i'm very familiar with and that is donovan people's jones who is a rookie out of michigan and i was actually a bit surprised when he went pro and skipped his senior year now donovan people's jones some of these details might not be exactly right. I'm right in front of me, but it's close enough. Uh, went to Cast Tech in Detroit. Uh, my dad's double mater. Shout out to Cast Tech. Um, really high GPA, you know, three eights, three nines, four point oh's. You know, probably could have gotten to Michigan on his own academic standing. When uh, the time he came into Michigan, at least wanted to be a doctor, right? Part of the reason he chose Michigan is because of their association with their with their hospital because he wants to be a doctor. Now he was very important in Michigan. Very important player for for Michigan for Michigan's team. He graduated with his undergrad in three years, went pro, is now playing for the Cleveland Browns, making, you know, he's a fifth round pick, but you could see how well he's playing, he's going to stick. He's going to make millions of dollars playing the NFL at least. Um, and then he'll be 35 and he can continue his education and whatnot. And so this, the structure of college sports worked out perfectly for him. He went to a great school, got his degree, is in the league, is making millions, and will have his entire life from his mid-30s on to pursue his educational uh, goals or whatever. He still should have been a millionaire while he was at Michigan because he was that important to a billion dollar institution, right? So so even when it works, he's still being exploited, right? And it worked out for him better than it, like as as well as supposed to for anybody. And he still was exploited. And it's that exploitation that is leading to the collapse of the college sports. Now in the pandemic, the pandemic does not care about how much you exploit your labor. It will take advantage of that exploitation like it does in every other segment of society, and it will find those cracks, and it will make them worse. And that's why Washington's being pulled out of the playoff game, and Ohio State's being thrown in over Indiana. But the NFL is just like, we got to do some schedule adjustments, but we'll get it done. I'm going to um, I'm gonna text you guys something, because I don't want to put the guys, obviously, for a lot of reasons that we always talk about, that we're not going to, you know, without people's permission, we're not going to put their information up. But I have a friend, that I, this, this I can say. I have a friend, good friend. I've never divulged this, even to Matt, because Matt, Matt's a Patriot, and I hate the Patriots. So I had a friend that played for the Patriots that went to school. He's a doctor right now. I'm going to send you his information just so you can see who this person is. And he used he used this leverage to get his um, PhD because he felt that, you know what, I'm, I'm a middle-of-the-pack player. He got drafted by the Patriots, and he, I don't even think he played a year. He might not even play played a year. 
but he made enough money to finish his degree and use the rest of his eligibility to, to kind of toe the line because he knew that I'm not getting paid to do this. They're, they're telling me my degree is what I'm here for, so I'm going to get my degree by any means. That's, that's all I want. So I'm, in the offseason, I want to revisit this, obviously, but it's, it's just for the competitive you know, balance to kind of say that this team doesn't deserve to play because Ohio State is one of the better teams. It doesn't right. sit well with me. It may sit well with the boosters and and the TV money and all that. But tell the kids that opted in during a pandemic that played the, the allotted amount of games that they were told to play to be bumped because this team couldn't feel the fucking schedule. Right, but see, and, not but, my, but, and my point is that the exploitation of the players is what creates these situations. If the like Northwestern tried to unionize their athletic department for the players a few years ago and it got absolutely shut down but if the big 10 football players were a union and they said we're going to put ohio state in over indiana even though we said these are the rules beforehand and the players union is like well then we're going on strike we're not playing the rules say it's supposed to be indiana well then guess what right could you imagine if we get to the playoffs in the nfl and they're like well we know the colts actually made it but you know the broncos are a much better story and so we're going to put the Broncos in over the Colts. Like, everything would collapse. Like, the, the sport would stop. It'd be the number one thing on ESPN. Nobody would talk about anything else. And it's because the players have leverage in the NFL. They don't have leverage in college sports, even though they should, and they're exploited. And it's that, that exploitation and that lack of leverage that comes with it that is making this situation more dangerous for them than it is for the pro player. Okay. I just, you know, I just wanted to bring that up because uh, we we talked about the competitive advantages and disadvantages with COVID, and this this one seems to just kind of rub me the wrong way because I, I look at it from the competitors' standpoint, not the economics and optics of that. I look at it as, you know, one team the, the fair the fair the fairness of like the level one team fielded enough games, you know, whether that was luck or not, or they just had a better draw of, of what was happening. But to be told, I mean, I, you didn't, no one said this that I know of, and I'm not saying this, Dave, but it's like people saying, well, I'd rather see Ohio State someone else. And I'm like, well, they didn't deserve to be there because of the rules that they agreed upon. If they play enough games, fuck it. Yeah, go for it. But I hope they get fucking destroyed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do too, I anyways, just because I'm a decent person. But like, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, like, yeah, this, it, but the thing is, I don't, like, I don't feel any sort of animosity towards the players at Ohio State because they also had nothing to do with this because they're exploited just the same. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, got the, yeah. Um, this is the conference. Yeah. We're talking about the conference. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, for, for, for listeners, this has nothing to do with the, the guys in Ohio because these guys actually, uh, if I remember correctly, they were one of the schools that they protest to play. And when everyone else got to play, they're like, hey, why? if everyone else is playing, why can't we play? And I thought that was great. I'm like, you know what? You can't open up the big 12 in this in this conference and that and not, not have other teams play that seems stupid to me so you know i i just see like the conferences like you said like both you guys said these guys are, are making up shit as they go along to make sure that, that money keeps coming in force these games force the tv money yeah and so later later in the offseason we'll have an episode dedicated to this and if you're a listener right now and you think that college athletes should not be paid i guarantee you that after we get through with that your opinion will change or you won't want to listen to the show anymore. Like you're not. It's not gonna. There's not gonna be any in, exactly. in between. Um, but as as of right now, Matt, do you have a nice yeah. story for us this week? I do. So uh, Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker teamed up with uh, I think a local clothing company, and they delivered custom hospital gowns to eight children's yeah, hospitals. Yeah, good job, Devontae. Uh, good for him, right? 
Good fuck again. Pretty cool. Good job. Yeah, and it, they were called Uncle Vante, so it had him on it and like uh, a, a kid, uh, and it was like an animated sort of thing. I'll send you that offline, but pretty good, good stuff. For him. Did you guys see that that Goodell uh, quickly jumped out in front of because someone said that with this vaccine on the rise now that these NFL players and sports guys are going to get you know carte blanche? He's like, no, 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 we're going to have to work around that. <laughs> but see, the thing is, he, he, he understands the terrible optics of the NFL players getting the vaccine before like regular people. And, but notice he didn't, right? Yep. Trump was like, oh, yeah, everybody in the White House is going to get it. And then he had to walk it back. Right? That's how bad Trump is. Donald Trump is so bad, he makes Roger Goodell look like a caring, thoughtful person. <laughs> That's, I didn't even know he walked it back. Wow. I, I, I knew he said it, but I was like, wow. Because immediately when it was said, I'm like, you know what? Here we go. This is going to come down to economics and what areas and what places get this stuff and who's the last in line to get it. So, you know, it's crazy, bro. Oh, but speaking of Roger Goodell, so my favorite moment, and I think I texted you to this offline, my favorite moment from Red Zone this weekend was the commissioner was shown at the game in Tampa, and Scott Hansen, bless him, knows who pays his salary and said, and there he is taking in the game with his lovely wife. And no matter what she looked like, he would have said that. <laughs> <laughs> he knows what, he, he knows what he's great. doing. That's great, man. All right, so um, obviously we, you know, we got some football coming up and stuff like that, and we're going to be getting into the meat of, of these playoffs. You know, the next three weeks or so are going to be critical. Um, uh, yeah, I got uh, you guys. Got any closing thoughts here? So um, tomorrow is National Signing Day for college football, and the top linebacker in the class, mm -hmm. uh, top ten overall player in the class, is going to Clemson and uh, Cleve. I don't know if you're ready for this. But it is Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Oh wow! Yeah, now I feel. Angry. Yeah, so we got him and we got Patrick <laughs> Sertan Jr. Uh, coming out in the draft this year. So, and it's Ante Samuel Jr. is coming out too. So, yeah, my my, my good feel my feel good wow. story of the week is that I'm old as hell, and so are you. What do you, what do you guys think the pressure? Is he too going to drop an interception huh? in the Super Bowl? <laughs> Damn, bro! You gonna let it go, bro? <laughs> That's the only. So, just so you know, the only game I've never let go in my whole life is that game. I don't care about any other game. That's the only thing that I, I can't like. No, I, just, it, I, I refuse. I but walk you know away what? from it. In all the only one. Though, real talk. And Dave, I don't know if you remember this. That, that play, you probably do. You probably. That was actually the secrets before all the shit happened with Eli. Yep. And and the whole game winning thing. If he'd have caught that inbound, we we talk about a different situation. They don't win that game. So. That's how critical catching the so, Matt, ball. So, I'm actually, I'm actually in a similar boat to you because then, you got to experience yeah. the Hall of Fame career of one Ty Law. Whereas I remember Ty Law for not knocking down the Hail Mary from bitch-ass Cordell Stewart back in 94. So, like, even though Ty Law is like a Hall of Fame NFL player, multiple <laughs> Super Bowl winner, I, every time I see him, I, I like I just get mad. So. <laughs> Yeah, it's I, I really don't like I don't consume sports that way anymore where it's like I don't have a personal stake in it. If they lose, they lose. That shit happens and my life goes on. But that game got me for so many reasons. One, because my mom, again, bless her, not really a sports person. Moss caught the go ahead touchdown and she texts me. He oh! did it. And I was like, would you shut the <laughs> hell up? I called her and I was like, well, don't ever say anything like that ever again. You are forbidden from watching this game because if they lose, it's all on you and they're fucking lost. And I was just like, I've never again. Like, and my mom too. She's like, hey, I. She tuned in. It was 2005 when Tech was in the ACC title game against Florida State. When Florida State wasn't really that good that year. And she's like, hey, I tuned into the game and I saw him lost. And I'm like, you're not allowed anymore to watch any of this shit. Don't watch any sports teams I follow because you're that awful is that luck. is awesome. She was like, oh. 
I think she watched like eight Virginia Tech games and she was 0 for 8. And I'm like, stop doing that. <laughs> Should have had your bookie go see her. Like, you know what, Ma? Someone, I was so pissed. Well. I was so pissed. When she said we did it, I called her and I was like, don't ever fucking say that again. <laughs> Great. <laughs> and it came to fruition and she's like, I'm sorry. I was like, I mean, you didn't do it, but you should know better. Than that. Hey, I had a friend who made a 19 and no cake and I was like, you're what? a moron. Of absolute fucking No way, moron. bro. You've never told yeah, me Yeah, I was like, you're a oh moron. Oh my God. You know what? So one little thing for that year before we go is I remember the, the line came out for that 14 in favor of the Patriots. And my father called me and he was like, do you get the same foreboding feeling that I do, that that was the 14-point line was the same line for the Patriots against the Rams in 01? And I was like, yes, 100%. I'm with you on that. And damn it, wow, it happens. That's great. All right, guys. It's been a great show. See you next week. And I will see you guys next week. Musical credit for today's episode goes to First Com Music, an ESPN-owned entity, NFL Primetime.